Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This is the Bob Cordaro Show podcast, WILK News Radio. Yes, we're back. Hour number three. Where does the time go? Well, I told you we had an interview today of great interest to me. And the man's name is Mark Moyer. And he's written a new book about the Vietnam War, Triumph Regained. Covering the war period from 1965 to 1968. And Mark Moyer is a renowned military historian at Hillsdale College. And the book makes an argument that I, I, I'm, I'm obviously open to it because he's such an expert. But I'd never thought of before. That, you know, that we could have won. If Johnson had listened to his generals. Now, this is based on... All news sources, and many of them in North Vietnam. So I, you know, I saw this and I said, "Man, this is a book that we want to talk about. This is a concept we want to talk about, particularly since we honor so many veterans and so many Vietnam veterans." Uh, for example, today, Carl Cayley of Shikshini. We lost him at just sixty years old. But he's a 26-year U.S. Air Force veteran, radar technician, and he, he served a lifetime. And then when he got out, he served his fellow veterans as a commander of a Legion post, and he was also involved with a VFW post. These are the kind of people that this subject is important to. And we welcome Mark Moyer. Uh, again, his book is Triumph Regained. Uh, welcome, Mark. And, and I am fascinated by the theorem that you've put forward. Welcome. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Tell us, give me, give me the lowdown. What is, how does your analysis, well, let me ask first, I guess, what did you do differently than so many other historians uh, who looked at the Vietnam conflict. You know, the reason I got interested in Vietnam is that it, you know, I realized, and this was decades ago when I was first in college, but uh, it was an area where there seemed to be a massive amount of what now people would call disinformation going around and that the political left had basically misrepresented the entire war for self-serving interests. And so I, um, 
you know, for one thing, I spent a lot of time in American archives to get to the source of this because what you see, uh, you know, and this happens again, is a few people put out this false story and then all sorts of other people just keep repeating it until they are convinced it's true. So I went to get the original sources. I talked to Vietnam veterans. And then, as you mentioned, I was able to get a bunch of sources from the North Vietnamese side. And it's been interesting because when I first pub- began publishing these in 2006 with the first volume, uh, you know, th- there wasn't a lot of awareness and people were complaining that they hadn't been able to see these. Well, now we've had 17 years. And people are still largely ignoring what the North Vietnamese said. And the reason is that, that it contradicts most of what the uh, anti-war left has told us about the Vietnam War. Fascinating. So the generals were advising uh, Lyndon Johnson. He said, you, you can't, I think you're, I'm correct in saying this, that they were advising him, you've got to go beyond South Vietnam in terms of our military activities. Yes, because the way Lyndon Johnson and his Secretary of Defense, Robert McNamara, wanted to fight the war was that we just keep our troops inside South Vietnam. And, you know, as I show in the book, we do an excellent job of fighting the North Vietnamese inside South Vietnam. But the problem is they can just keep sending more troops from the north into the south, and they have no, you know, qualms about sending you know, massive numbers of their own people to death. And so the generals were saying, this is not something we want to do indefinitely, especially because we're a democracy and and they're a, a dictatorship that just can ignore what their people think. So they proposed several things. Uh, one was cutting the Ho Chi Minh Trail in Laos and Cambodia. And another was sending American troops in North Vietnam. And then third was intensifying the bombing of North Vietnam because Johnson and McNamara came up with this academic idea of gradual escalation where you slowly increase the bombing and, and it's it's about symbolic uh, damage rather than the actual physical damage. And the generals saw through that and said it was nonsense and we need to bomb more, but, but uh, Johnson and McNamara continually resist them on that point. Did you give any uh, credence to the concerns that some had that the Chinese would have intervened if we had gotten close to their territory. That's one of the main reasons, probably the most valid reason that Johnson and McNamara have for avoiding some of these measures is that there's, uh, if we do, if we expand the war, then then China and, and or the Soviet Union are going to intervene, which is what happens in the Korean war. And, what we now know is that there was a lot of private discussion on this matter, and the generals said, you know, the intelligence community is telling us Chinese and the Soviets are not going to come in, especially if we don't go near the border. You know, if we go into Laos and Cambodia, for example, we won't be anywhere near China. And, uh, and in fact, the CIA generally supports this, but Johnson and McNamara, and McNamara actually sort of cooks up his own intelligence estimates when the actual ones don't support what he wants. <laughs> And so they use this. And then they also argue, well, this wouldn't really be that effective if we did these other things. But again, now we know from the North Vietnamese that they were terrified that the Americans were going to go into Laos or they were going to step up the bombing or send their troops into North Vietnam. So so essentially all the things that the enemy feared the most, we failed to do. Correct. <laughs> well, I, I've, I always look at Lyndon Johnson as... Uh, evil essentially i i never 
and I'm talking about across the board, and McNamara as someone who thought he was way smarter than he was, and 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 they had to justify it. <laughs> well, that's right, and that's a big part of the the clash between McNamara and the Generals is McNamara. He was an auto executive, and he'd gone to the Harvard Business School, and he thought that he was smarter than these generals. So even though he didn't know as much about military affairs, he thought just because he was smarter, he would outsmart them. But again, we now see that, that he was wrong. The generals uh, were right. And um, you know, back to Marion Johnson, they both have somewhat naive views of human nature. And one of the things, too, that keeps happening is uh, the, the left wing of the Democratic Party is saying, well, we need to just bring, we need peace, we need to negotiate a peace, and, you know, how the best way to do that is if we lay off the enemy and, you know, reduce or pause the bombing, so they keep pausing the bombing, saying that this will, through a demonstration of goodwill, convince the enemy to negotiate, but we also see now from the North Vietnamese side, they're kind of laughing at us for thinking this, and, and they basically say, yeah, the only reason we're going to even talk about negotiations is to get the Americans to to ease up on us, and then we can take advantage of that. And you know, ultimately, it's not until Nixon is president and he really does ramp up the bombing that that forces them to, to actually negotiate. Which they never intended to fulfill anyway, any commitments they made to us. Right, that's right. And um, they do at least... Um, uh, we do see, though, that the, the only time really they're serious about making any diplomatic concessions is when they're hurting. It's not when, you know, again, the idea that if only we are nicer to them that they'll they'll negotiate. It would just prove in time again to be false. We're talking with Mark Moyer, his uh, book, and it, it is, it's an exciting one, Mark. Uh, Triumph Regained, uh, talking about the Vietnam War and where we could have been certainly much more uh effective much more successful was there a win there mark moyer was there a win to be had in south vietnam yes and and there there's a couple of huge mistakes we make and one of the big mistakes we make is in 1963 we support this coup it ends up being a disaster so that's one of the big missed opportunities but once we go in yeah, there are these opportunities where um Again, the North Vietnamese indicate had we cut the Ho Chi Minh Trail, they might have just given up, or they we would have fought a war more like Korea, where you have a much narrower front uh, to fight along, and there's not pop- citizens around to be concerned about. There's also a point in 1967 where Hanoi is on the verge of starvation because Johnson, for once, steps at the bombing because he's getting called before the Senate to talk about the bombing, but then he eases up then. And the other thing I'd like to point out is that there is, and one of the huge uh, myths of the Vietnam War is that there wasn't really much at stake for the United States in terms of world politics. But the truth is that there really was this threat of communist expansion in 1965. What people claim is that, well, 1975, the dominoes don't, the communist countries, uh, the non-communist countries don't fall like dominoes to communism. And so the the idea that there was this fear is unwarranted. But the truth of the matter is that when the U.S. goes in in 65, the world's a vastly different place, and it's really American intervention that will save most of Southeast Asia, although it doesn't save our South Vietnamese allies because we bail out on them and the Khmer Rouge come in and kill 2 million people in Cambodia, which kind of gets brushed over as well. 
The book is called Triumph Regained by Mark Moyer. He and By the way, I love Hillsdale College. I truly do. Uh, you are a renowned military historian. You've taken a fresh look at the Vietnam War. It is, I'm telling you, this is exciting history. It really is. I, I'm so happy that you've written this book, that you've done this great work. Uh, I hope it opens up an all-new channel of discussion because it essentially supports what conservatives have said for a long time, which is if we let the military fight the war, it could have been had. It could have been done. Yeah, that's right. That's correct. And it also supports, I think, that the the idea, which unfortunately a lot of young people forgotten, that we really were in a global struggle with communism, in the 20th century, and you know, communism killed 100 million people. And yet, if you talk, you know, uh, if you go on college campuses today, a lot of college campuses, or talk to you know high school students, a lot of them, you know, have no idea about the history of communism, and they think socialism is actually a good thing. And uh, we just need to look back in history to remind ourselves quickly that this is how you know people get killed and freedom is taken away. Huh. And we're watching it daily here in the United States. Mark Moyer, thank you so much. I, I, uh, I'm i enthralled with the book. I'm enthralled with uh, your theories and your proof for those theories. Uh, this is an important work. Mark Moyer's triumph regained regarding the Vietnam War. Thank you, sir, for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Mark Moyer, uh, I'm telling you, just a great book. So, <laughs> And and eye-opening and provocative. And he, he just looks at it through a pure historian's lens. Triumph Regained. The Vietnam War, 1965 to 1968. Mark Moyer, M-O-Y-A-R, is the author. We'll be back. The Four Seasons moved to number three this date in 1976 with their single, December 1963. And then, of course, well, it was at least, it was the death of serious journalism at CBS. This date in 1981, Walter Cronkite signed off for the last time. I, uh... A lot of people say, oh, well, Walter was this, he was, you know, he was a lefty, he was liberal. He may very well have been. I, I've I've never detected his bias uh, as I watched him, as most of the country did. And I switched, I remember, to ABC after that. I love Frank Reynolds. Uh but Walter Cronkite, I did not know how great David Brinkley was at the time. Uh, but Cronkite, I don't know, he, he just called it straight. There was a reason he was the most trusted voice in America. He's It's the reason that, you know, that everyone's compared to him in the news business. It, it You know, it just is. But I got to meet him up at West Point, of all places. I had been, I had talked to Steve Forbes at the, uh, Republican National Convention in Philadelphia. And, you know, we were corresponding back and forth. He sent me books and so on. He's just one of the nicest guys on the planet. Uh, 
I've got to renew acquaintances with him through uh, Alex Pre, you know, last year. But Forbes had him on a boat, and I end up sitting at the game next to uh, how am I forgetting his name? I think it's Michael Mulroney, the former conservative prime minister of Canada. And there's Walter Cronkite, and I expected him to be six four, and he was shorter than I, and I'm only like five ten. I was five ten then, probably five nine and a half now. And uh, nice, courtly, everything you could imagine, just smaller than I had pictured. Uh, but but Walter Cronkite, I, the death of journalism at CBS, though, not even a doubt about it. As we continue to honor Carl Cayley, he was just sixty from Sirkshinny. Now in the Air Force. He, he continually educated himself. And his awards include the Defense Meritorious Service Medal, Meritorious Service Medal with two Oak Leaf Clusters, Air Force Commendation Medal with three Oak Leaf Clusters, Air Force Achievement Medal, Air Force Good Conduct Medal with seven Oak Leaf Clusters, National Defense Medal, Global War on Terrorism Service Medal, Overseas Short Tour Ribbon, an Air Force Longevity Service Award with five Oak Leaf Clusters. He was the past commander of the Jesse Thomas American Legion Post, 495 in Shikshini, and a past senior vice commander and current trustee at Fort Ricketts VFW Post 8317 in Benton. I mean, he arranged bus trips for veterans to Washington, D.C., uh, we lost a good guy at too young of an age. And again, thanks to Barney Smith for sending me that obituary so we could talk about Carl Cayley today. Uh, Doc from Einan. Doc, hold for just a minute because you want to talk about Cronkite, and we might actually agree on something. We'll take this break. Bob Cadaro with you. We'll come back with the weather. And then maybe Doc and I agreeing. We'll be back. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from meteorologist Joe Snedeker. Winter weather advisory from 7 p.m. this evening until Tuesday at 7 a.m. Today, it'll be partly sunny to start. Some clouds later today, however, high of 47. Snow expected to begin this evening and continue overnight. Tonight, snow continues overnight. Elevation dependent in terms of your accumulation, low of 27. Tomorrow, snow ends early. Accumulations between a dusting to three inches possible and could impact the morning commute. Cloudy with some sun possible uh, by the afternoon, high of 38. Wednesday, breezy clouds and sun. It'll be cold, 36. That's your weather. Bob Canaro back with you. And uh, Doc is on from Einan. Could we find an area of agreement, Doc? Definitely, Bob. All right, good. Fire away. I just wanted to, I just wanted to comment on how the news uh, reporters and commentators have devolved from Cronkite to Tucker Carlson in a similar way that the Republican Party has devolved <laughs> from Abraham Lincoln <laughs> to Donald Trump. Oh and my! That's all I have to all say. Right, all right, from uh, from. FDR and JFK to Joe Biden. That's a f- much farther fall. <laughs> I don't think so, Bob. Thank you, Doc. <laughs> and Tucker Carlson is, well, Doc has to be wrong, unfortunately. 
every time he speaks because Walter or uh, Tucker Carlson is not a news person. Okay, so. But, all right, so we didn't get to agree on anything. It's it's unfortunate, but it's what it is. Mike from Bloomsburg, how are you? Oh, Bob, I was doing great, but now I'm kind of disappointed. I wish Doc would have been on after me so he would have been able to answer this question. Last week, I turned on the uh, news, and there was a uh, press meeting with the president taking questions. Oh, and that, that was, was a disgrace. About- I'm happy you brought this up. Yes, so there were uh, a woman who lost two sons to fentanyl, and while addressing that question, he actually laughed and chuckled yep. and basically said that fentanyl came in uh, under the previous administration, <laughs> you know, and, I'm, and, and I, I was stunned. I mean, really su- stunned, and then I had a sick feeling in my stomach. How could the president of the United States think in any way possible it's appropriate to laugh or chuckle during the discussion of a mother who lost two sons to drug overdoses. Now, it gets worse from there. He's a mental patient. Joe Biden is a mental patient. That's why. Right. But even worse than that, I've talked to two well-informed people on the Democrat left, and neither one of them, who are you know vast consumers of media, heard anything about this at all. So what I'm saying is we have a president that I don't think over half of this country understands how bad he really is and what a disaster he is, and he should not be in office. And my, my guess is that as long as we have this divide among the media, we'll never get better. We're in trouble, and we will not get better until we have a media that wants us to get better and wants to try to Mike, you're right. I I was talking about it earlier today that that the corruption and the probable compromise of Joe Biden, particularly vis-a-vis China, uh, but certainly in the case of Ukraine, is it's frightening and they will not cover it, period. It's 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 scary. And that's you're right. A, a, A substantial portion of the country. And we get callers like that occasionally that are completely uninformed, uh, like Doc. Absolutely, like Bob. Doc. And they they will just spout the party line because they've never heard anything different. Right. And how many of those people on the left that watch MSNBC and CNN have been told that the Department of Energy, Energy who is the most qualified group to investigate the Wuhan uh, virus, were, they were told to stand down once they started saying, hey, this probably came from the lab. They were directed to stand down. So we have a government that does not want to be honest. They don't want people to know the real information. How about the Fauci emails? Divided. How about the Fauci emails where they basically bribed some scientists who pointed to the lab leak as the definitely the, the, the source of of the uh, coronavirus, and he he gave them money to go away. Well, uh, incredible! Uh, absolutely, to me, that is a crime against humanity. And he also shut down. And, and it was so important, Mike, because to him, people saying, "Well, why would he do that? He would do it because it would lead to his friend from Echo Science funding part of the research." 
That's with, with American money. <laughs> right. We, why can't we admit we were involved in the research at that lab? Why, can't, why, why didn't Biden speak up and say, hey, or not Biden, Obama, I'm the one that said we are not going to do gain of research in our country anymore, and it got shipped over to China. Yeah. Why didn't he speak up? Does he care about the country? No, they, they, when they get in a position like Fauci, they care more about l- keeping their own candle lit than anything else. And the paycheck coming in. Yeah, amazing. Mike, thank you so much. I appreciate it, my friend, always. You're welcome. You take care now. All right. Bye. Thanks. Uh, we got Luciano calling in about Nikki Haley. How are you, Luciano? Thank you for taking my call, Bob. I use biblical words that Jesus spoke, and he was perfect in thought, word, and deed. Evil and wicked. The Democratic, modern-day Democratic Party is evil and wicked, and they're disgusting. And these are words that are biblical, evil and wicked. I don't, because you could be highly intelligent and be, be evil and wicked. And there's a method to the Democrat, Joe Biden's method. There's a method to their madness. Nikki Haley, I heard her on a Christian radio. I think she's sincere. She's a Christian. She's not Hindu, even though her parents are, they came from India. Uh, she stated, she, it's already documented. She's the only governor in the United States a governor from South Carolina, she won two terms. She uh, applied E-Verify in her state. That meant that no illegal alien, doc, undocumented, whatever word you want to use, can work. And stuff. E-Verify is extremely effective in, in having illegals leave South Carolina. And she also put in one of the first states, ID, for voter ID. And I love, love that those two policies were very effective. And one last comment about Donald Trump. Here it is. Nikki Haley is, no, is number two in my book. I have to say, I like DeSantis, but I love what Donald Trump said at the, at the convention. He stated, it's documented. He's going to make it so difficult. He's going to mass import mass, these illegals that invaded this country. And, Bob, I don't know if you know, but I'm ignorant about this. There was a Democratic president that did mass illegal deportation. Barack Obama. It called, <laughs> it, no, it was a Democratic politician, a president. He called it wetback, invasion wetback. He, uh, he left, he kicked out over a million illegals. That, somebody out there can help me out. He was a Democratic president, and I love what Donald Trump said. But I, I do agree with you, um, Bob. I have to say this. Uh, I lean towards... Donald Trump, but I think he's a little toxic. And it's unfortunate, and it's and it's not all his fault, but it is what is. And and uh, conservatives have to live in Reelsville. We can't live in a fantasy land that we want to create like the left does. Uh, we've got to live in where what actually exists. And and unfortunately, uh, Trump is the most damaged Republican candidate. He just is. But Bob, he he still could win. He's got. He's, I, he, 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 he may be able a, to win, but I don't want to take the risk. Of the Republican Party, he's the patent of the Republican Party. George Patton of the Republican Party, and I agree. I pick. I like DeSantis first. I like Nikki Haley as vice president. I love Pompeo. Like I, there's a whole great team. Uh, Scott from South Carolina. 
Oh, it's a great, great, great yeah. team. But uh, yes. Luciano, always a pleasure. Thank you, my friend. All right. All right. Ciao, we'll take this break and be back. The Bob Cadaro Show continues. How great is that? That is Alyssa Laser, who's going to be on The Voice. See, we don't know when, but it's on tonight and tomorrow at 8 o'clock on NBC. And then next week, and Noelle is going to fill us in as to when she actually appears so we could remember her. But this is her own song, What Would I Do Without Me? What a What a voice. Wow. We played the 13-year-old Alyssa Lazar doing the national anthem on the anniversary of the national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner becoming the national anthem. And that's her song, What Would I Do Without Me? Alyssa Lazar. And she's going to be on The Voice. We, we don't know when, so we could, we'll watch it more than once. Why not? Can't wait to see. And, I, we got, and the reason we want you to do this, we want you to vote for her. Because that's a component of who wins. Now, I overlooked it till this moment. But for March 6th, Mother Teresa, St. Teresa, have a deep compassion for people. To be able to have a heart full of compassion, we need to pray. St. Teresa for March 6th. Thank you, Mary Regina. Uh, I received something... Really neat for uh, from uh, my friend Gene Barrett. It's a George Carlin thing. It's I, I don't I don't have time to do it before Bloomberg, but I may to do it when we come back. Although we've got one more call we want to take. Really good stuff from George Carlin. Time for Bloomberg Money Minute. We will be back after that. We're back. Remember that song? March 6, 1976, Hot Chocolate moved to number 10 with their hit single, You Sexy Thing. And I failed to mention, it got a little broken off there because we were playing Alyssa Lazar. Uh, Ed McMahon, it is his birthday. He's passed away, but it's his birthday today. My brother Mike uh, kindly reminded me of that, so we played a little Ed McMahon introduction I used to do that for one of the law professors in uh, at Penn. And he would come down the aisle, and everybody else was, I guess, more serious about it than I was. And I would introduce him, just like Ed McMahon used to do that. <laughs> I'd say, now here's the star of our show. <laughs> and I'd have the whole class broken up before it started. And then... I would also put, now th- this was unprecedented, I'm sure, because it's so childish, it's nobody could even imagine it. I used to write all over the big blackboards, you know, in those big, um, you know, 200-seat uh, sort of theater halls. I would write all over the blackboards something or other, and then I would put chalk in the erasers. Now, this is at law school, so they're simply not prepared for something that childish. So it worked every time. Then they would go to a race and the chalk would go all over and and everybody would laugh. And then they'd have to try and start a a serious uh, thing. Uh, All right. I want to go to Mike from Peckville quickly because then I'm going to read you something my friend Gene Barrett sent me. He said, after hearing the Paul Harvey, if I were the devil from 1965 segment, he said, I think you'd appreciate 
the comments by George Carlin. I'm going to try to read them while we play Freebird. But let's get to Mike from Peckville first. Hey, Mike. How you doing? So um, talking about, like, all this stuff with COVID and all this other. So this last two and a half, three years should have, but I don't think it has, opened our eyes to what socialism is. We've been exposed to it for that amount of time. The covering up of what's true when it comes medically. So, okay. The canceling of uh, our freedom of speech because we spoke against what we thought was really happening with COVID got canceled. We couldn't. There were people that lost their, their jobs got canceled because they didn't want to take uh, the, the vaccine. And then the, the justice, the uh, fairness of justice, totally unbalanced, T- totally what's happening to Trump. And then now what's happening with Biden. There's yep. no comparison at all. Not fair. So that's socialism. And if that's what the Democrats want, it's been said to them. Oh, one other thing. The biggest, one of the biggest things was giving free money to people because they helped them live their lives better. Well, all that proved was that then these people did not go into the workforce and left us stranded, took the money and ran. That's every bit of it. And the two and a half, three years has opened our eyes to what socialism is. And Democrats want to keep voting for it. And let's hope enough of us, Michael. Thank you, my friend, always. All right, thanks. All right. As, uh... We're playing Freebird, one of the great songs of all time, one of the great anthems of all time, rock anthems. Gary Rossington, the original Leonard Skinner guitarist, died at age 71 yesterday. And so we're going to play that in his honor. And I want to do this thing Gene Barrett sent me by George Carlin. I'll get through as much as I can. George Carlin says, the paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings but shorter tempers, wider freeways but narrower viewpoints. We spend more but have less. We buy more but enjoy less. We have bigger houses and smaller families, more conveniences but less time. We have more degrees but less sense, more knowledge but less judgment, more experts yet more problems, more medicine but less wellness. We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, Drive too fast, get too angry, stay up too late, get up too tired, read too little, watch TV too much, and pray too seldom. We have multiplied our possessions but reduced our values. We've talked too much, loved too seldom, and hate too often. We've learned how to make a living but not a life. We've added years to life but not life to years. We've been all the way to the moon and back but have trouble crossing the street to meet a new neighbor. We conquered outer space but not inner space. We've done larger things, but not better things. We've cleaned up the air, but polluted the soul. We've conquered the atom, but not our prejudice. We write more, but learn less. We plan more, but accomplish less. We've learned to rush, but not to wait. We build more computers to hold more information, to produce more copies than ever, but we communicate less and less. These are the times of fast food and slow digestion, big men and small character, steep profits and shallow relationships. These are the days of two incomes but more divorce, fancier houses but broken homes. These are days of quick trips, disposable diapers, throwaway morality, one-night stands, overweight bodies and pills that do everything from cheer to quiet to kill. It is a time when there is much in the showroom window and nothing in the stockroom. A time when technology can bring this letter to you and a time when you can choose either to share this insight or just hit delete. 
Remember, spend some time with your loved ones because they're not going to be around forever. Remember, say a kind word to someone who looks up to you in awe because that little person soon will grow up and leave your side. Remember to give a warm hug to the one next to you because that is the only treasure you can give with your heart and it doesn't cost a cent. Remember to say I love you to your partner and your loved ones, but most of all mean it. A kiss and an embrace will mend hurt when it comes from deep inside of you. Remember to hold hands and cherish the moment for someday that person will not be there again. Give time to love, give time to speak, and give time to share the precious thoughts in your mind. And always remember, life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the moments that take our breath away. George Carlin. See you tomorrow, guys. WYLK News Radio. This is the Bob Cordaro Show Podcast. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.